What are we talking about tonight? Yeah, we are going to talk about Jesus. We're talking about, we're talking about this right here. We are called. The idea that if we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then we are called to something. We are called to do a couple things, actually. And what we're going to look at is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you've got your Bibles, open up there. And as we go through these, these six verses, I want, to hope you, I want to help you see that there's, there's a couple things that as Christians, as people say that, you know, we say we follow Christ, we serve him with our life, we believe him with all our heart, then if that's true for our life, he has called us to certain things in that relationship. So we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. I don't know that I've had you guys do this before. We're going to stand while we read these six verses. In honor of reading the Word of God, I'd like you guys to stand while I read these six verses. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6. Here we go. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh... The way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity you give us to be here tonight. Lord, I thank you uh, that, that we can get into your word, Lord. I know, I know there's a lot of people excited in this room and, and, and got the experience that we had last week, Lord, being able to, to see you work and to feel your presence, God. And my prayer tonight is that we have that same, same thing here. God, that, that as we get into your word, as we sing in response, as we worship you through these different things, Lord, that, that the Holy Spirit will work in our lives, Lord, will draw us closer to you, God, will enlighten us, will show us what your word, what your word, how it guides us, God, and how you want us to live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a seat. So we are called. We read through those six verses, but let's go through and break those verses down and look at what we are actually called to. If you would raise your hand, I'm not asking you to, but if you would say, I am a Christian. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I have asked him to forgive me, and I follow God with my life. Then you are called. Let's look at what these verses say that you're called to. The first thing that it says, starting in verse 1, is this. We are called to be prepared. We are called to actually prepare ourselves. Think about it this way. How many of you would be pretty excited if you went home tonight, and your parents sat you down and said, Friday morning at 6 a.m., we are leaving on a cruise for the Bahamas. Anybody here be excited about that? Okay. What would you have to do to get ready to go to the Bahamas? Pack your swimsuit. That's all you need, right? Just your swimsuit. Yes, you do. You do need a swimsuit. If I know some of you, because I know some of you were packed for an entire week before we went to camp, some of you. After you get off your phone and telling everybody on Facebook and Twitter and text message and everything you can that you're going to the Bahamas and you're so excited, you'd have to get ready, wouldn't you? 
You'd have to go get your swimsuit and get your clothes and, and get all your other stuff and pack your bag and actually prepare to go to the Bahamas. And that's what we do. When we've got things that we know are getting ready to happen in our lives, we prepare ourselves for those things. We get ready. You guys that play football, what are you doing right now every morning of the week, Monday through Thursday this summer? Working out. You're getting prepared. Middle school football is doing the same, except for two nights a week or three nights a week, something like that. And other sports, too. You prepare yourself for things that you know are going to happen in the future. But see, as Christians, we're called to prepare ourselves. Let's look at what it says in verse 1. We're going to break it down. This first verse is going to take us a little bit longer to get through it because there's some really important stuff in this verse, and I want to make sure we don't miss it. So look at the first three words in verse 1. It says, since therefore Christ. Since therefore Christ. In other words, because of Christ. Everything that we do as Christians, everything that we do when we say we have a relationship with God is because of Christ. Since therefore Christ. And I'm not going to keep talking about it, but I'll bring up camp one more time. We looked while we were at camp. We studied um, 1 Corinthians chapter was three, or excuse me, Colossians. I can't even remember. Colossians 3, 14 through 17. Colossians 1, 14 through 17. Apparently I had a great time at camp. I can't even remember what we studied. It was Colossians 1, 14 through 17. And the whole idea is that Christ is central to everything. That everything in creation, everything that has made, that has ever existed, that ever will exist, was made through and for Christ. Everything is under the authority of who Christ is. Since, therefore, Christ. That means everything we do as Christians, everything we do as believers, we do because of who Christ is. Because of the very fact that he exists. That he is the one that created us. He is the one that knew every single detail about our lives before the world was ever made. Christ is the entire point, the entire focus of who we are when we say we have that relationship. There's a lot packed into these three words, and that's why I want to make sure we stop right there first, because we need to understand that everything, everything about us in a relationship with God is because of Christ. And that's supposed to be our focus. That's supposed to be what we're tuned in on. And then he jumps over and he does four more words. Therefore, excuse me, since therefore Christ, he says, suffered in the flesh. He's talking about Christ. Now he's telling us what Christ did. Christ suffered in the flesh. He actually talked about this earlier in the book of 1 Peter. In chapter 3, verse 18, he said, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. You see, we've got to remember, everything we do is because of Christ. And we've got to remember that Christ is the one that suffered for us. He is the one that made it possible for us to have that relationship with him and through him. When it talks about in Romans 3.23, when it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. Every person that has ever lived, every person that ever will live, every person that lives right now, for all have sinned. We are all a part of that all. We've got to remember that. That was the whole point of Jesus. And then he goes on in Romans 6.23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God wasn't really free. It doesn't cost us anything up front, but it cost Jesus Christ everything. It cost him his life. It cost him the agony of being beaten and whipped. It cost him the humiliation of carrying the crossbeam of his cross up to Calvary. It cost him the pain of having nails driven into his wrists and driven into his feet and a spear stabbed into his side. It cost him. And that's why those four words are important. Suffered in the flesh. Because Jesus went through a lot so that you and I could know him. Jesus went through a lot so we could stand here and we can sing and we can have fun and we can look at what God's word says. That's why he died. And guys, that's an incredible thing. So when it says that we're, we're called to be prepared, it means, okay, we've got to remember those things. We've got to remember that Christ is central to everything we do as a believer. And we've got to remember that in order to get us to that point, to actually be able to believe in him, Christ had to give his very life for that. So it calls us to be prepared. And he goes on and talks about it a little bit more in this verse. Let's pick it up in the next part. It says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Arm yourselves. I've seen some of you guys in this room play paintball and play airsoft. And I've watched you get ready to play those games. And you put on, some of you, long sleeve shirts and long pants. And I think I've seen somebody in here put on gloves before to protect your hands. You put on a mask. I saw one guy that had a mask, and then he had neck guards that hung from it so he wouldn't get shot in the neck. And then you take your gun, and you check out your gun, and you make sure your barrel's ready to go. And you make sure your tank's on the back. You make sure your hopper's full of paintballs or, or your gun's full of those airsoft pellets. And so you prepare yourself. You get your mind ready. You mentally get ready. Okay, I'm going to get shot, and it's not going to feel good. But you better believe I'm going to shoot somebody else. And you start getting yourself psyched up, and, and you're ready. You're prepared. That's what Peter's talking about here. He's saying, guys, you've got to get ready. Because as you follow Christ, as you have this relationship with God, things are going to happen. And you need to be prepared. You need to prepare yourself not only mentally but physically as well. Look at what Scripture says here in uh, Romans. I don't think I have it up there, but in Romans it talks about putting on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Some of you guys talked about that last week. We've got to prepare ourselves for spiritual warfare. And I'm telling you this right now. Satan and demons and spiritual warfare, that's not something that was just made up to scare little kids in Sunday school with the flannel board on Sunday mornings. It's real. There is spiritual battle that happens on a daily basis. And we've got to prepare ourselves for that. That's why Ephesians chapter 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God. The helmet, the breastplate, the sword, the sandals, all of those parts to prepare ourselves, to get our minds ready for what God's got prepared for us. He also talked about in Romans chapter two or 12 verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We arm ourselves, we prepare ourselves by the renewing of our mind. 
You know what that means practically? You spend time in God's word. Because as we spend time in God's word, God starts to show us who he is. And in light of that, who we are. And how so many times we fall so far short of where he wants us to be. But as we spend time in his word, our mind, our thoughts start to become like God's. We don't become God, but we start to think of the things that God wants us to think of. We start to meditate on his word. The things we desire, the things we want to be a part of, are the things that God desires and wants us to be a part of. And as we do that, we learn to filter everything that we encounter through what Scripture says, through the truth of who Jesus Christ and who God is. But we've got to prepare. We've got to sit down. We've got to do a quiet time. And I know you probably get tired of hearing that phrase. You just sit down and read your Bible. Meditate on it. What is God teaching you? If Sunday morning and Wednesday night are the only times you ever open up a Bible and read the Word of God, you are not prepared. And that's not trying to discredit what we're doing here or what we do on Sunday morning, but it takes more than that. You've got to get into it yourself. Don't ever take what I say from this stage at face value. Go home tonight. Read Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. I can't even get my books right. Go home tonight and read it. Go home and read Ephesians 6. Go home and read Romans chapter 12. And see what God's teaching you. See how God is preparing you by you getting into it yourself. Have this same mind as Christ. Same way of thinking. And then he keeps going here. Verse 1, a little bit more. We're almost done with this one. For whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know what that means? As a believer in God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you may be called to suffer. There may be times in your life, there may be times in your Christian walk where you actually suffer. Now, for some of you, that may be physical suffering. I don't know what that looks like. You may be called to be a missionary, and you may get held hostage, or you may lose your life. You may be right here in this your own community and somebody finds out that you're a Christian and they hate that so much that they will just beat the snot out of you. I don't know. Some of you, it's not going to be a physical suffering, but maybe it's going to be your reputation. Maybe somebody's going to give you a hard time. Maybe somebody's not going to like you because of what you believe. But you know what? Scripture tells us that Jesus suffered. Why wouldn't we expect to experience even just a little bit of that? We've got to be prepared. As we renew our minds, as we know what Scripture says and know what God wants us to do, it helps us prepare so when we do face those times, those times that are uncomfortable, those times that we don't necessarily like, we're ready for it. That doesn't mean we're going to have a blaster in those times, but we won't be surprised. We'll know that we're serving a God that loves us more than anything. And we know what Philippians 4.13 tells us, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if we are called to suffer the way it talks about Christ suffering, we can make it. It's not going to be that bad. And he goes on there, it also talks about he's suffered, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, I want to I talk about something there real quick. There are some that believe that statement right there means that if you suffer for your beliefs in God, that it's possible 
for sin to be removed from your life and you never have to worry about it again. When it says right there, ceased from sin. But you see, there's, that'd be great, wouldn't it? We'd never have to worry about sin again. Okay, I'll suffer, God. I don't have to worry about sin anymore. But that's, that's contrary to Scripture. That's not what it says. For instance, look at the life of Paul. You got a guy that was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake. All kinds of stuff happened to this man because of his faith and because of what he was trying to do to share the gospel. So you would think, okay, if that's a true statement, then Paul didn't have to worry about sin anymore, right? But if you look at what it says in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, here's Paul writing. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Just because we suffer for God, that doesn't mean we're free from sin. Every single person in this room, every person that has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, for the rest of your life, you will struggle with sin. Now, it may be different for everybody in here, but we're not removed from it. What we are removed from are the eternal consequences of that sin. That's why Jesus died. That's the price he paid. Because the eternal consequences of sin is eternal separation from God. And Jesus said, nope, I want you like this with God. So he came and he died on a cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave and he conquered those eternal consequences of sin. And gives us the opportunity to have the relationship with him. So we're called to be prepared by remembering who Christ is, what Christ did, what he wants us to be ready for. That's the first thing we're called to. The second one is in verse 2. We are called to be different. When it comes to living our lives, we are called to look different than everybody else. Now, I'm not talking about really kind of weird, creepy different where you got two different shoes and your pants are up above your waist and you got on overalls and you walk around going, hey, everybody. That's creepy. But we're called to be different. Our lives should not look like everybody else's lives. Look at what he says in 1 Peter 4, 2. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. When we ask God's forgiveness for our sins, Scripture tells us we are a new creation. It tells us that in Galatians. We are a new creation. Do we still struggle with sin? Yes. But at that point in time, the Holy Spirit start working in our life. And the things that we struggle with before, we start to understand that those are sin. And we're convicted of that sin. And God starts showing us through the Holy Spirit how those things can change in our life, how we can stop doing some of the things we were doing before, how we can get away from some of the things that we were messing with before. And our life starts to look different. Now, he goes on and explains it a little bit more what, what those things are in verse 3. Let's read that. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, 
orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? But you know what's funny? That probably doesn't even begin to touch all the sin that affects our lives on a daily basis. But it's a pretty good list. And the reason that this is important, what I, what I want to explain to you here is that if, if you go back to verse 1 of chapter 1, you'll find out who Peter was writing this book to. It tells us he's writing it to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, the intended, the intended readers for this book, yes, some of them were the, were the exiles that were dispersed, like we talked about back in James chapter 1. But the main audience that he's writing to are what would be called Gentiles, non-Jewish people. That would be pretty much every one of you in this room. You don't have Jewish heritage, you're a Gentile. That's who he's writing to. And the reason he's writing this part, the reason he goes through and lists it all right here, is he's reminding them that before they knew Christ, all of these things were normal. That's the life they knew. But now that they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, those things aren't okay anymore. Those things through God's word, through these letters, through, through understanding who God is and what Jesus did, those things have been brought to their attention as sin, as wrong, as things that don't honor God and what he wants them to do. And the same thing holds true for you and I. These actions right here, these aren't anything new, are they? All the way back in that century, we face those same problems today. You see people living in sensuality and following just after their passions of their flesh. You see people at drinking parties and who are drunk and have lawless idolatry. I hope you don't see any orgies. Okay, I'm just, it's listed there. I'm just saying. But these things aren't new. People are still participating in these today just like they did these centuries ago. And God's showing us this to say, hey, it wasn't okay for them. That's not what I want for you either. You know, sometimes, sometimes you're going you're gonna to be at a party and somebody's going to break out a bottle or a can or somebody's going to break out a joint or somebody's going to break out something that you know is not going to honor God if you take part in it. And at that point, you've got a choice to make. Am I going to be different? Am I going to remember what Scripture says? Am I going to remember what it is that God wants me to do with my life? Or am I just going to blend in like everybody else? And I will promise you this. The more prepared you are, the easier it will be to be different. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it will be easier. Because that's the life God's called us to. To represent him in everything that we do, everything that we say. I had a conversation recently with somebody who said, you know what, and I've heard this phrase before, it's okay. it should be okay, can't we just live a good life? And yes, I've heard that phrase before. It's actually a, a, a quote that's credited to St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. But you see, that's not what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us how will they hear if we do not preach, we've got to be willing to be different and take a stand. Be willing to give an answer for the hope that is within us is what scripture says. 
And that means you've got to be prepared to be different. You have to have spent time in the word. To be able to recall that scripture that God showed you and you thought at the time you read it, oh yeah, I can use that in this situation. If it's not there, you can't use it. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And he's calling us to that life. The question is whether or not you will answer that call. You pick up your phone when it rings, some of you. You certainly pick up your phone when your light goes off and you got a text message or a Facebook message or something else. What about to what God's calling you to? Are you ready to answer that call? He keeps talking here. He goes on in verse 4. He says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. When you decide to abstain from some of the things that are listed here, or maybe some of the things that aren't listed here, somebody's probably going to give you a hard time. What do you mean you don't drink? It's just one sip. What do you mean you don't smoke? Come on, it's not going to hurt you. It's not like you're taking a drug test tomorrow or anything. People are going to give you a hard time. You've got to decide what choice you're ready to make. In fact, it goes as far, when it uses this word malign here, that word can actually be interpreted as hate you. Not just make fun of you, but hate you for the choice that you make. Literally, physically, mentally, emotionally, hate you. Are you ready for that? Because it's probably going to happen at some point. And I don't know about you guys, but I like to be liked. I don't like walking around knowing that somebody doesn't like me or somebody doesn't hate me. But Scripture makes it pretty clear. If we live a life for God, that's what's going to happen. You've got to make the decision as to whether or not you're ready for that. But it shouldn't surprise us. It says right there, they're surprised, but it shouldn't surprise you. Scripture tells us that Jesus Christ himself was hated. Why should we expect to experience anything less than he did? In fact, it talks about in John 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. This is Jesus. And the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. People who see you, who see you following Christ that don't follow Christ, they may not stick around you very long. Because if you are different, if you are prepared and you are living differently the way we are called to live differently, you're going to make them uncomfortable. Because it tells us they're walking around in the darkness. They're stuck in their own sin. And you, with the Holy Spirit in you, through a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, you've got the light. And they don't want to be around that. But you know what? We are called to be a light in this world. We are called to go to those people who don't know Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you let yourself get sucked into their lifestyle and sucked into the things that they're doing, trying to say, hey, I'm just being a witness, and you end up doing everything they're doing anyway. But it does mean sometimes you have to expose yourself to that in order to be the witness God has called you to. Protect yourself, prepare yourself, Live differently, but do what God's called you to do. 
He keeps going here. In verse 5. Well, you know what? Let me go back to, let me go back to this one first. Let me go back to verse 4. Because I want to make a point. When it says they're surprised, something I've noticed in the church is that there are times that as Christians, when people who don't know Christ act like people who don't know Christ, we act surprised. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they're living that kind of lifestyle. Why? They don't know Christ. That's normal for them in sin and darkness. We have to remember and understand that when we encounter people who don't know Christ, that is how they're going to be living. And we can't be shocked by that lifestyle. That doesn't mean we condone it. We don't approve it. But we shouldn't be shocked by it. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we study our Bible. That's why we live differently, because we want to help those who live like they don't know Christ understand that that's not the way they're supposed to live. I just want to throw that in there because I've seen a lot of folks do that. It's kind of scary. Let's keep going. Verse 5. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We need to remember every single person we encounter, including ourselves, one day will stand before a just and holy God and we will give an account. We will give an account for what we have done with our life. We will give an account for what we have done with the gospel of Christ. Now, if we have a relationship with Christ, we already know what the verdict's going to be. Before God, we're clean. Because he sees Jesus standing between us and him. And all he sees is the righteousness of who Jesus Christ is. But for those people who don't know God, who don't have a relationship through Christ, they're not seen that way. And we've got to remember that when we encounter people. If we're not prepared, if we're not living differently, then when we encounter people who need Christ, we're not going to be ready. We're not going to be focused on the fact that one day they're going to be standing side by side with us. Only they're not going to have the benefit of Jesus Christ like we do. Which goes to verse 6. The very last thing. We are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we have prepared ourselves, if we have lived differently, we are called to share the gospel of who he is and what he's done. Verse 6 says this, For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we meet on Sunday mornings. That's why we do summer serve, the local mission trips like we're doing tomorrow at Sealy Elementary. That's why we're taking a group of six people to Jamaica in a couple weeks to do vacation Bible school and do construction work there. Everything that we do as a church is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the point. If we know as Christians that that is the most important thing about us, the fact that we are Christians, the fact that we have been forgiven by a God that loves us above all creation, why would we not share that? Why wouldn't we? We share everything else. You get a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, you're on the phone. You're talking to everybody, telling everybody about them. 
Some of you, since I've been here in the last year, you've gotten a new dog. And you've shown me like 15 pictures of your new dog. You tell people about your new paintball guns or your new clothes or your new video game or your new car and all this stuff. We tell everybody about, why not Jesus Christ? If that really is the thing that defines us, if that is the most important aspect of who we are, why wouldn't we share that? That's what God's called us to do. Because one day we will stand before him, as I just said, and we will give an account And I don't know about you guys, but I want God to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to be caught. I don't know what I did, God. I know you told me about Jesus, but it was kind of uncomfortable. I didn't feel like sharing it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be scary. I know. Do it on a regular basis. But it's okay. Because if you're prepared, you're going to be ready. If you're living differently, you're going to be ready. And you're going to get the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with somebody. And I will tell you right now, once you've experienced that, and you see someone get it, and the light comes on, and they understand who God is and who God made them to be, you won't be able to get enough of it. Because it will change your life through seeing their life changed. My question to you tonight is, are you answering the call God's placed on you? For some of you in here, maybe you haven't answered the first call, and he's called you to a relationship with himself. He's shown you, okay, there's some things you're doing that don't honor him, and that you have this sin that every one of us has, this disease that we can't fix. The only person who could ever pay the price for that sin is Jesus Christ who died on the cross. And he's calling you and you've been saying, you know, I'm I'm not ready for that, God. Answer the call. Don't put it off. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I've got a relationship with Christ. I'm good. Are you? Are you prepared? Are you spending time in his word? Are you letting somebody else hold you accountable in your walk with Christ? Are you living differently? When people look at you, do they see something different from the rest of the world? And most importantly, are you sharing the gospel? Are you taking the opportunity to talk to people and find out what they believe and sharing with them the most important belief that I pray everybody in this room has? That's my question to you tonight. And if you need to, if if you've never answered that call and you don't have a relationship with Christ, but you want to tonight, you want to start that tonight. As soon as the music starts playing, these guys get up here and we start singing. I'm going to ask you to have the courage to step out of your chair and walk to the back of the room and talk to one of our adults. If you just want somebody to pray with you, we'll do that too. If you've got a prayer request and you don't want somebody to pray with you, but you want somebody to pray for you, write it on those green cards that are in your chairs or under your chairs, and we'll pray for you. But my challenge to you is to answer the call of God. Whatever one of these it might be, take that step. Let him show you what he wants you to do with your life. Let's pray. God, we do, uh, we do thank you.
God, we thank you that you have called us to love you, to serve you. And God, I just pray. I pray for myself. I pray for every person in this room, God. Help us to do what it is you're calling us to do. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to to be ready. And Lord, I just pray now as we go into this time of, of just worshiping in response to your word. God, just help us to remove all distractions and just focus on who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.